Welcome back to Checked In, U92's premier hockey podcast. We are back after an extensive holiday break. It's episode six. I'm Anissa Gallo, joined by Alex Silverman and Mason Deal. Fellas, how are we doing today? A lot to talk about. I'm doing good, doing good. I, I, I plan on a uh, very long yap session today. I got a lot on my mind. Got your master's in yapping from the University of Yappington. I might, I might have to invest in a JD from the University of Yappington. <laughs> I, I, I got so much on my mind, and it's not just about Mr. Cutter, Gauthier, and Sir Jamie Drysdale and the rest of that trade. There's a number of other things we're going to talk about. Oh, yeah. I got a PhD in yappinomics. Yappinomics. Okay, let's put these PhDs and these JDs to good use today. Um, over the holiday break, every time I saw something happen, I said, oh my God, what if we did an episode on this right now? Because so much just occurred over the winter break, and it's kind of funny because none of that happened while we were actively recording. Yeah, it's a shame. I, I think there was like... There was like five times I think I texted you. I was like, we should do like a, a little Zoom episode really quick. Like this is this is huge. I like really impromptu. Wanted, yeah. I, impromptu podcast. I really wanted to do one for the winter classic, but I was like, ah, eh, like it's the Kraken, it's the Golden Knights. Like the Kraken shut out the Knights, which mm-hmm. I'm very happy about. It was an interesting game. I kind of watched a little bit of it. Watching the Kraken walk in, they were wearing like fishing overalls and they were oh. carrying like foam fish and then while they were walking out onto the rink there were fishermen who were throwing fish back and forth like they do in the seattle fish markets so the fish tunnel was incredible that picture of like them walking out with the like fire uh pillars beside them and the fish over top of them was like might be the most chaotic like hectic nhl photo that i've seen in a hefty amount of time but man was that such a beautiful scene in seattle i will have to say i have seen better walk-in outfits from other teams, you know, the Golden Knights just walked in as Elvis. Predictable. Like, I could have, everybody saw that coming. They knew they were going to walk in as Elvis. And I don't know, just a little bit disappointed. I like the outfits, you know. I like seeing how creative the guys get because it's once a year thing. Not everybody plays in Winter Classic. So show out a little bit. Right. I, I think the NHL did a great job presentation wise for this year's Winter Classic. There, there are some years where I can't stand it. I turn it off sometimes because I just don't like what I'm seeing. This year, though, they changed it up. They were a lot more focused on the actual game itself, cracking Golden Knights. You know, they were kept going back to the narrative that at the end of the day, there is two points on the line. It's still a, a regular season game, even though you have the Space Needle and the Seattle skyline right down the road and you're in a baseball stadium. At the end of the day, it's just another divisional game, and I like that. And even when they interviewed the coaches and some of the um, analysts, even from TNT during the game, everyone at the end of the day, it's just another game. And I think that really added to the broadcast, whereas, for example, during the Super Bowl, it's not just the game. You know, you got all the commercials, all the sponsorships where the Winter Classic, they were really making it feel like they're giving you that outdoor game experience from your living room, which is nice because you got all the space heaters and popcorn in there you want. Just a quick tidbit on the game. Joey Decord, can we give him some love? 
He played out of his buy in that game. Mark Stone should have had at least two goals. There was another one for uh, Marshall, Jonathan Marshall. I always butcher his name. I'm sorry. Personally yeah. apologize, Jonathan. Marshall. Marshall. Yeah, it's really hard yeah. to get it off my tongue. He could have had at least a hat trick. And then there was, I want to say it was McNabb or one of the other Golden Knights defensemen took a slap shot. This was when they were down 3 nothing, so kind of like middle of the third period when they had pretty much, you know, figured out that unfortunately it wasn't going to work out for them that day. He hit the crossbar, and he was just so frustrated. And I said to myself, if four of these shots went in, there were at least two off the iron, and there were at least two or three possible save of the year candidates well then that's a golden knights win and then as for the Kraken, the goal scorers yanni gord got the first goal of the game about five minutes in i think so yeah it was yanni gord he went to the net he tipped it in and then will borgen got his first of the year on that blast from the point that was a great shot yeah and then the third Kraken goal trying to remember i want to say vince dunn i i think it was was it Tolvanen? Oh, it was Eli, uh, Ellie Tolvanen. Tolvanen. It was a, it was a, um, it was a tip. I forget because I think it was it, a Dunn shot. Dunn had the, the assist on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. because uh, the the announcers were like, "And Vince Dunn does it again," but it was Tol- Tolvanen got the tip. So three nothing, crack and win. Good win for them. Good win for their fan base. They struggled a little bit the first half of the year and. They're one of the hotter teams, but we're not in that section right now. I'm going to be quiet and let these other two speak because I've been speaking for like five minutes straight now. (laughs) I will say that the Kraken went into that game on a four-game win streak, and they've extended it. Mm -hmm. So right now the Kraken are on a eight-game win streak. Eight-game win streak, 12-game point streak, too. Yeah, They won 4-1 last night. Yeah. They're playing against the Blue Jackets tomorrow night. I will also say that... I don't think everybody shared the same sentiment as your Winter Classic, you know, presentation because it was the lowest viewed Winter Classic since the first one in 2008. Yeah, and I can, it had 1.1 million viewers. I can explain exactly why is because the NHL, like, I, I saw a lot of talk about like moving it to like uh, Boxing Day, like the day after Christmas, mm-hmm. and I think that'd be fine. But the issue is that there, January 1st is like such a hotbed for like everything like you have both of the new year six like both of the college football playoff games that night which like i watched all three i watched the winter classic the alabama michigan game and the washington texas game and like it was very clear that like the winter classic was just an afterthought because like while yes like the presentation is you know outstanding i think that this was then like you know fenway last year was really cool but i think seattle really stepped it up this year in terms of like the you know on ice experience and stuff for the fans and even the broadcast like you were talking about alex but like there's like nobody really cares about us like a regular season hockey game it might be outside and that's cool to like fans of the game but you're not going to get these like you know college football playoff numbers if you're starting a game at i mean noon uh west coast time but like three o'clock uh east coast time that runs directly into the rose bowl it runs directly into the like sugar bowl it's just that there's there's no room when you have all that stuff going on at the same time i mean you have three different leagues competing on new year's day now you had the nhl with the winter classic you had um ncaa with college football 
And then you also had the PWHL that kicked off on New Year's Day. That was the inaugural game mm-hmm. against Toronto and New York. That one actually drew across Canada 2.9 million viewers. Yeah. Across Canada, you know, with their broadcasting thing. And then also they have it broadcasted on YouTube. So anybody can view it. And I think when I popped in there, there was at least, this was before the game started, like 15,000 viewers waiting for the game to start. Mm. So I think it kind of says something when your Winter Classic, you know, once annual game that's supposed to, you know, kind of be, I guess, like maybe the pinnacle of the season for some of these teams and like a nice opportunity Mm -hmm. that it doesn't draw that many viewers and you know they're preoccupied with other stuff i mean i wouldn't be opposed to doing it the day after christmas or maybe even christmas day but i know that a lot of people don't like that because they have families you know Mm -hmm. they do whatever nfl and nba kind of own christmas yeah that's true i will i will say three things number one Personally, as a fan, I'm sure the three of us at this table can agree. I like having a competition of, you know, who should I watch on New Year's Day when there's pretty much nothing open. So I don't have a problem with that. Second thing, when you think about the Kraken and the Golden Knights, they're the two newest teams in the NHL. So one would think that they probably don't have as big of a following outside their metropolitan areas or even their states as some of your other squads like the Maple Leafs, the Habs, the Rangers, the Hawks. So you have to take that into account too. And then on top of that, they they played on the West Coast, which is obviously three hours behind Eastern Standard Time. So a noon West Coast game is a 3 p.m. Eastern game. Mm -hmm. I personally think that... If they do the winter, if they did the winter classic and they kept it at the, I think one o'clock is a good spot because it's not like super super early. Yes, I know it's ten a.m. on the west coast, but if they did like a one o'clock or maybe a one thirty, just so it's a little bit more reasonable for people on the west coast, I do think they would get more viewers. And another thing people don't realize is that hockey is the big sport in Canada. Mm-hmm. I'm. Sh- Anissa, those numbers, the 1.1 million, does that take into account the Canadian viewers? Because I know that in Canada, they don't get TNT. It's usually TSN that does their own broadcast. So Are you I, talking about for the PWHL or for the Winter Classic? For either. I assume that um, the PWHL was broadcast on TSN because it was in TSN, Canada. TSN, uh, CBC, like the Canadian broadcasting Yeah, so that's networks. Canada's version of ESPN. Yeah. So that's what I think. It's hard to tell because, you know, obviously like ESPN and TSN are their respective things, respective sports networks for each country. Mm-hmm. But TNT, I don't think broadcasts in Canada. So I think they watch it on TSN. So I don't really know how many extra viewers you have because obviously the people watching the Winter Classic in Canada, they don't really care for Sugar Bowl or Rose Bowl. Yeah, true. I think something to add on to that is uh, – Kind of the like when the Winter Classic was like brought on, it was kind of like the first of its kind, like outdoor hockey on like a big like national stage. I think now that we have like 
I don't, I don't want to say gimmicky games, but like we have the, like the Heritage Classic, we have the Global Series, you know, like they're just, they're bringing more of these like specialty games. And I think while it is good for growing the game, at some point you're kind of like oversaturating your own market with that much product to be put out, you know, like I couldn't like, there's no real difference between like the Heritage Classic, you know, this year between Calgary and Edmonton versus the Winter Classic that other than the day and the teams, you know. I do like the Heritage Classic, though, because that is a solidified rivalry. You have the Battle of Alberta. I mean, it kind of it's gone downhill. And we talked about this before. Ever since Matthew Kachuk left the Flames, it doesn't have that like spice anymore because, you know, he's just fighting everybody who breathes wrong on him. Yeah. So you don't have that anymore. Um but also with the Winter Classic, like you look at the previous teams that have played. The first Winter Classic, it was the Pens and the Sabres. Next one, Red Wings, Blackhawks. Flyers, Bruins. Caps, Pens. Rangers, Flyers. Maple Leafs, Red Wings. Like, And then you get into kind of like the later ones, and it's like, okay. Predators, Stars. Blues, Wild. Pens, Bruins. Like, you don't really see like that, those like big market teams and I think they kind of gear it more towards the big market teams and like kind of the original six and the original expansion teams mm-hmm. like no offense outside of Minnesota and St. Louis who's watching a Penn's I'm sorry a Blues Wild Winter Classic like well all those people that showed up at Excel a couple months ago per our request to join their team that's why <laughs> yeah. they've improved so much that was 2022 and that had 1.3 million viewers. That was also the coldest outdoor game on record in the NHL. The highest viewed Winter Classic, looking at it right now, was 2011, 4.5 million caps pens. I don't yeah. like thinking about that Winter Classic, um, but I think that was in that was in Pittsburgh. That was, that was at Heinz. I would say it was at that, Heinz. That's where Crosby got hurt and he went out for a few years. Mm-hmm. He had a he got a concussion in that one, and he got sidelined for a while, robbing everybody of prime Crosby. Yeah, going back to the point you make, Mason, I agree with you. I'm I'm not a big fan of the Global Series. I, I appreciate the marketing aspect of it. They're trying to grow the game. Obviously, the NHL is trying to grow their net worth, their budget, which I'm sure that's what every corporation would want to do. Who right. can blame them? I personally like having multiple outdoor games. Yeah, it might take away from the cliche or however you want to say it, you know, about the Winter Classic. Like, oh, my God, it's the Winter Classic. It's the greatest day on earth. But at the end of the day, if you have four or five outdoor games, say you have five outdoor games, that's ten teams. So you can have, say, we could do two, you know, big big marquee games. Like, for example, Kraken Golden Knights, that's a division game. Ken's Pat. Ken, excuse me. Pens, hats. Yeah, Ken's I don't Barbies. think so. Pens, <laughs> Pens and Caps. That's another division rivalry game. Most of the games you listed, Anissa, and most of them that they've ever played have been division rivalry. But if you think about it, talking about Pens, Caps, when Ovechkin and Crosby retire, who's going to watch that? There is no more rivalry after that. That is what that rivalry was built off of, and that's why people want to watch it. You're watching Ovi versus Sid. Well, now you can watch Jeff Carter versus Anthony Mantha, two of, you know, (laughs) our favorite players here at U92. (laughs) We can all agree with that. Yeah, you can watch... uh, You can watch the Sonny Milano bowl game. (laughs) 
<laughs> is Milano still on the Caps? Yeah. You can watch the... He's on um, the... I think he's injured right now, actually. Yeah, you can watch the Tom Wilson versus uh, <laughs> Marcus Patterson Bowl. <laughs> I will say um, one last thing before we move on to the ever-so-pressing trade that happened in Philadelphia. Um, you know what? I forgot what I was going to say. Let's just move on to it, and then when it comes <laughs> back to me, I will bring it back up. So on Monday, in the middle of the Flyers-Pens game, it came on underneath you know, the screen on NHL Network, breaking news, Flyers trade, Cutter. How do you say his last name? I've been getting Gu- tripped up on this. Gutierre, I think. Okay. They trade Cutter Gutierre, who was their pick that they took fifth overall in the 2022 draft. They traded him and a 2025 second round pick. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm getting my trades mixed up. They traded him over to Anaheim, and in return, Anaheim sent back defenseman Jamie Drysdale and the 2025 second round pick. Personally, I was a little shocked at this, Mm. just because Drysdale has been injured. Last year he was out. He tore his labrum. I think that's what you were trying to get to yes, on Wednesday. Yes, labed him, not labbed him in. Okay, he t- I'm never going to hear the end of that one. <laughs> he tore his labrum, so he missed his entire sophomore season. And then for the first, not the first few months, for a few months of this season so far, he was out with a lower body injury. So he's just coming back after being out for two months. And then suddenly he said, hey, kid, you are going to the greatest city in the entire world. <laughs> Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It is. What are our thoughts on this? Oh, man. I think that I, like, I cannot be more just confused by this. Like, I think that, like, don't get me wrong. I fully understand where he is coming from, like, to not, like, want to play for the Flyers because, like, I wouldn't either. Uh, But I think it was more just, like, he like told them he or like it, it was so confusing reading the like news reports the day after because the Flyers drafted him and told him, hey, we're not going to sign you until next year for some like cap schematics things. And then he was like, all right, see ya. And then just like completely ghosted them at the World Junior Championships. Like they said, like several times tried to seek him out and couldn't find him. And then they were just like, all right, screw it, buddy. You're see you in Anaheim, I guess. And like, and the fact that they got Jamie Drysdale out of it too, I, I'm just like, I'm just like, this is just like such a, like a head turner. I was like, I, I really have no idea how this came about all so sudden. And then like, even in the days following, it just became nothing but more of just a crapshoot with like the Kevin Hayes stuff and just like all of Philly media and fans just like completely turning on a 19 year old kid who never even played a single game for the Flyers. It's just like, it's insane to watch. It's so I was looking a little bit at um, Gutierrez' draft profile, and he grew up a Pens fan, mm-hmm. and he's listed as saying that he spent time, you know, idolizing Sidney Crosby his whole life. I'd be very hard pressed to find a kid growing up recently who is a prospect right now who did not idolize Crosby or Ovechkin or one of those really big fig- figures. Um, 
it's a little bit of an interesting kind of timeline because he said that he was excited to go play in Philly and that he was built for it, quote unquote, built for it. In May of 23, he told the Flyers GM, Danny Breer, and the president of hockey operations, Keith Jones, that he did not want to be a part of the Flyers organization anymore. Cut to World Juniors a few weeks ago. Jones and Briere went to Sweden trying to talk to Gutierrez and his team. They flat out ignored him, refused to meet him. And then all of a sudden, you know, this bomb is just dropped. Um, I don't know. It's just I feel like and then you have to bring in like Kevin Hayes, who used to play for the Flyers, got traded away to the Blues. People are saying that, you know, he messed with it. And then you have John Tortorella being John Tortorella. And it's just it's actually very interesting right now. And I don't mind having this drama because it's very seldom that you get something that you're like, huh, like this is actually like pretty interesting drama. And I think John Tortorella taking a lot of the heat right now is taking attention off of Gutierrez and Drysdale, who are both very young and do not need the Philadelphia media pouncing on them like this. Okay, so the first thing I think we should dive into, because this trade has a lot going on, and I think it would be a lot better if we kind of break this into two different parts. We got the trade aspect, so, you know, player for a player. I was thinking, like, the whole Hammurabi code thing, you know, like an eye for an eye from, like, you know, millions of years ago. A player for a player, or in this case, a player for a player and a draft pick, as opposed to the whole kind of, like, blowback kind of political, you know, media attention thing we can get in after. So I'll give my thoughts first on the actual trade. Jamie Drysdale, if we could only splice that clip from a couple weeks ago, I said on this podcast, Jamie Drysdale is one of my favorite young defensemen in the NHL. Maybe Danny Breer heard me because he decided to get him. I, I understand he's had a couple of injuries not what you want to say, especially from a defenseman that's going to be checking a lot more than your forwards because when you think of it, the defensemen, you know, they, they play on the back end of the ice a lot more. You know, they have to go into the corners, into those dirty areas in the defensive zone. They have to block a lot more shots usually, not only on the penalty kill but just during the game. That's just the nature of the position. So I'd argue that a defense a defender with a little bit of an injury history is a lot more of a risk than a forward with an injury history just based on the fact that they're going to be blocking a lot more shots. Mm-hmm. Take that out of the equation, though. Jamie Drysdale was the sixth overall pick in 2020. Cutter Gauthier was a fifth overall. In my mind, that's pretty interchangeable. I have a quiz question for you both. I know it's Friday. We weren't. You didn't think you were going to get graded. <laughs> I want you to name me one player that was drafted second overall in the last 10 years that you can flat out say to me is a superstar and you could argue could be on a Hall of Fame ballot. I don't, really know. I don't, I don't really know NHL draft okay. stuff like that. Oh, Mitch Marner. So Mitch Marner, uh, you would say, is a future Hall of Fame. Mitch Marner, if he keeps going the way he's going with the Leafs, I think he could be a candidate at least. I'm not saying he's certain, but he is a candidate to be a future Hall of Famer. I see. I, I like where you're going with this. I'm surprised no one said Eichel. I thought for I sure say, that's what they were going to say. I would. I, I was trying to double check and make sure that Eichel was the second pick, but uh, yeah. 
I would say. I mean, Wait, looking at... Wasn't it... It was McDavid and Eichel. McDavid and Eichel. Yeah. So ever since Eichel's been drafted, he's gotten literally the short end of stick because the guy, draft classes. the guy in front of him is a franchise, not a franchise player. He's like a McDavid century player, millennial player, whatever <laughs> you want to call. McDavid already <laughs> has a spot in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Like, yeah. no question about it. He could win zero Stanley Cups and he would still go into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, Did Mitch Marner go third? Mitch Marner did. Yeah, okay. he did. I got him and Eichel confused. No, I'll say I'm looking. I'm looking here at the um, second overall picks from the last like decade or a couple of decades. The only one since I'll I'll say yeah, yeah. Okay, so we got Leo Carlson this year. Okay, uh, Simon Nemec Devils last year. Matty Beniers for the Kraken in 2021, which I'll say he hasn't looked horrible. Not really what you want him to be, but not bad. Uh, Quentin Byfield for the Kings in 2020. Uh, Capo Capco for the Rangers in 2019. Uh, Andrei Shvechikov for the Canes in 2018. He's looking pretty good lately. Yeah, as of late. I think he's hit his groove now, but like I wouldn't call him Hall of Fame. Obviously. No, no, no. no. I'm, I'm just saying he looks good. Yeah, right yeah. Uh, Nolan Patrick for the Flyers in 2017. Alex uh, just made a face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Patrick Laine for the Jets in 2016. Uh, then you got uh, Sabres back-to-back years picking uh, Ryan Hart and Eichel in 14 and 15. Uh, Alexander Barkov for the Panthers 2013. Yeah, that's pretty. It's pretty cemented. Yeah, uh, Ryan Murray for the Blue Jackets in 2012. Uh, Landis Gog for the Avs in 2011. Uh, Tyler Sagan for the Bruins in 2010. Hedman. And 2009 for the Lightning, and Drew Doughty for the Kings in 2008. Uh, you, you guys want me to keep going? No, you're good. Have I made guys, you guys passed my quiz with flying colors. What, what I was getting at is that you said there were a number of names that were good. Shmeshnikov, Marner, Eichel, Hedman, mm-hmm. Downey. Obviously, those guys are pretty good. If they were drafted in 08 and 09, and we're still talking about them being relevant in the NHL, that's a lot of years there. Yeah. But the point that I was getting after is that these players are good. They're not Hall of Fame. And that's my ar- that's my argument here, is that 9 out of 10 players, actually a lot more than 9 out of 10 players, unfortunately, aren't going to go to the Hockey Hall of Fame. That's what makes the Hall of Fame so prestigious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So then it becomes, if my guy's not going to be a Hall of Famer like McDavid or Dreisaitl or Matthews, there's no guarantee that these three individuals go to the Hall of Fame. But one could argue that these three would have to do more to not be at least on one ballot than to, you know, I get not what you're be saying. What I'm, what I'm saying is that, you know, a lot of these guys is kind of like, you know, we're, we're throwing darts. Some are more blindly thrown than others. Some are, are safer. I mean, so I'll use your argument right now. Um, a lot of pe- like Hall of Famers, a lot of people thought Nolan Patrick was going to carry the Flyers franchise to Stanley Cups. Nolan Patrick did not pan out as the prospect that everybody thought he was going to be only because he had health problems. So that was a, that was just a shot in the dark. The Devils could have taken him, and the Flyers could have ended up with Nico Hishier. So, like, you're looking at it, and you're like, okay, like, it could be – it's always a game of what if. And I think I went off of the topic a little bit, but it's – Nothing. You don't know anything's for certain. So yeah. you always have to take these risks. Could Jamie Drysdale go to Philadelphia and put up, you know, Eric Carlson numbers and just absolutely dominate and lead the Flyers to a cup? 
I sure as hell hope not, but for him as a person, I'd be happy for him. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, um, Cutter could go to the Ducks and just absolutely suck. And who gets the short end of the stick then? The Ducks. They're robbed of Drysdale, who could go on and have a really good career in Philly, and a draft pick. And they're stuck with um, a prospect who didn't pan out. Here's my my big thing with Cutter Gauthier. Gauthier. That's Go- how you say his last Gauthier. name. Okay. It, trust me, it took me like 10 times. I was looking at it this morning. I said, I'm going to say like It's interesting. Gauthier, he plays Gauthier. He plays for U.S. at World Juniors. His father's Canadian, and he was born in Sweden. That sounds like a final exam question of some sort right there. Well, wasn't his father a professional goalie? Yes. And I, he was born when his father was playing professional hockey in, in Sweden. Sweden. Yeah, that's yeah. how that whole thing triple came citizen, to be. Triple citizenship. Triple citizenship. That's a trivial pursuit question in the next decade, probably. Going back to the trade, though, with Gauthier, Take all the, like I said, take all the media, all the political stuff, like the whole he said, she said thing. He didn't want to play for us. He's a baby kind of thing versus, you know, I don't care who I play for. They drafted me. If you look at solely the trade, you get a defenseman that was highly proven in college. And you have a forward that was also highly proven in college. So at first glance, you'd say it's a pretty even trade. Where I'd argue there's a little bit of a slant on the trade and that most people wouldn't see this slant is that Cutter Gauthier has yet to play an NHL game. And there's no guarantee, unfortunately, that Cutter Gauthier will play an NHL game. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking back to a couple of other drafts in which I've seen top three and top five players yet to make it to the NHL. I actually went to the draft in 2014 when I was in Philadelphia. That was your Dreisaitl and Reinhardt and Sonny Milano, our new favorite here, Sam Bennett. Aaron Ekblad went first overall. And Aaron Ekblad was a solid defenseman until he got hit with a number of injuries. I didn't think Sonny Milano was that old. Dylan Larkin was from that draft too. Oh my God! Trying to think. Wow. I'm trying. Travis oh, Sanheim. Sonny Milano is 27 years old. Casper Kapanen. Penguins like, fans might not want to hear that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he looks well, like he's 20. It's not. That's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. No. Is right. That was the uh, year in which the Devils actually had to have the 30th round. 30th, not 30th round pick. There's no not 30 rounds in NHL. 30th overall pick because of the whole Ilya Kovalchuk saga. I don't know you. I don't know Anissa if you were a big fan of hockey back then because this was like years ago. But the Devils once had a guy that was potentially Hall of Fame had he actually stayed and played in the U.S. It his name was his name was Ilya Kovalchuk. Okay. okay, he was very good. He was he was what I would argue. Uh, Mitch Marner, borderline Austin Matthews. He was very good. Look it up. There's yeah. also a Pavel Datsuk. He used to play for the Red Wings. Yeah. Ilya Kovalchuk, without even telling the Devils, decided at the end of one season he was going to go play in the KHL, which is the National Hockey League of Russia. It's the highest professional league in Russia, and he's from Russia. So because he didn't give the Devils timely notice, that violated a clause of the NHL's draft policy. Be based on um, not coming back. It's kind of like a retirement thing. I forget the fancy wording of it. But because of that, the Devils were penalized with taking the last pick in the first round. So it would be the 30th overall when they were supposed to have, I want, I, if I remember correctly, like the 12th or the 13th overall. 
Um, I'm looking at it right now. He agreed to a 17 year, hundred million yeah. dollar contract. I was gonna yes. say, yeah, yes. That's why. That's why I knew. I, I knew that I'd heard that story before. Years. And if you believe this, in 2020, in the midst of the pandemic, during the years in which we unfortunately couldn't have fans in the arena because of COVID, he actually came back and played for the Montreal Canadiens. Of course, he was a shell of his former self, but he did eventually return to the NHL. After a number of hearings he had with Batman and a couple of the other people in the commissioner's office, um, the point that I was getting at is that there's 30 pick. Not there were 30 picks. Not there's 32 first round picks. Okay, not 32 Hall of Famers. 32 picks. So at the end of the day, it's it's kind of like you know grade school. It's you get what you get and you don't get upset. Obviously, you you can get upset and people will, but at the end of the day, you really don't know what you're getting unless you have a player like McDavid, or Bedard, or I'd even argue Eichel. I'm kind of tired of seeing Eichel get the short end of the stick because he went second overall behind McDavid. Mm-hmm. And how about Dylan Larkin? I everyone at this table is familiar with Dylan Larkin, right? Yeah, Dylan yeah. Larkin went 14th overall. The way he's played his throughout his entire career, you would think he was a top 10 first-round pick. But no, yeah. he was a 14th overall. Guys like Sam Reinhart, he's pretty good now. He took a few years to pan out. Mm-hmm. Michael Dalcole, have you ever heard of Michael Dalcole? Yes, played like five NHL games for the Islanders, went ahead of him. Let's see who else was in there. Um, Dreis, that's your Dreis title went third overall. So the top three were Aaron Eckblad for the Panthers, Sam Reinhardt for the Sabres, and Leon Dreisaitl for the Oilers. And I remember saying to my dad, Dreisaitl, he's going to be big in this league. I remember watching him in World Juniors. He got kicked out one time because he he boarded someone from behind. He got a major in a game misconduct. And for some reason, they chose not to suspend him because they said it was a borderline hit. He must have really been offended by the fact that he was almost suspended because he he scored a lot of goals and he got zero attention because hockey's not a big thing over in Germany. And when Germany played the U.S., they lost by five or six goals. But now that he's come to the NHL and he's a routinely routinely a forty goal scorer, then everyone wants to buy a dry style jersey and they're a big fan. The big point that I'm getting here, getting at here, is that it doesn't matter if you're drafted first in the first round. Mr. Shane Wright, unfortunately, didn't realize that, even though he's a fourth overall for the Kraken, and I think he's played in three NHL games this year. Remember with the whole stare down with the Canadians draft table? Yeah, I mean, he's he he just needs to cook in uh, was it Coachella Valley? Is their AHL? I think. Yeah, hopefully he yeah. cooks a little better than Ross. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. But he was he's a fourth overall, and then Owen Power was the first overall, I want to say 21, if I remember. Yeah. Now, Owen Power's pretty good, but Owen Power's a defenseman for the Sabres. So, obviously, defenders aren't going to put up Rocket Richard numbers like McDavid, potentially Bedard one day, Eichel, all of them. So mm-hmm. they're never going to get the same kind of respect. So when people say that this Drysdale trade is really one-sided – toward the Ducks because they see that Cutter Gauthier went over to Sweden and absolutely lit it up over there. I think people fail to realize that at the end of the day, when you invest in a solid defenseman, 
you're not you're not looking for Eric Carlson numbers from last year with the Sharks. That was really impressive. I'm not taking away from that at all. But when you invest in a solid defenseman, you know what you're you kind of know what you're getting, or you know what you want to get is what I'm trying to say. And you want some guy that you know is gonna rough people up if they try to score on you. That's literally his job. Block shots. Have a big slap shot and one-timer from the blue line. Maybe play some power play penalty kill special teams. That's what you want from a defenseman, whereas Carter Gauthier is a forward. You want him to score 40 goals, win the Rocket Richard. He's going to be the next Alex Ovechkin. That's what you want out of a forward. I think the Flyers actually won this trade. took me a couple of nights to say that. I know Drysdale scored his first point, a primary assist as a flyer in his first game. That doesn't sway my opinion. Obviously, Cutter hasn't played yet. But I, I like this trade. The only thing I would have liked is that Flyers to have made that second round, a first round pick, especially from the Ducks this year, because the Ducks, again, might be top three. In fact, they're looking like it's going to be another top three. And the Ducks, if, P- if management in Anaheim is listening to this podcast, Please don't become the American version of the Edmonton Oilers, okay? That was impressive in and of itself, in which you guys had Taylor Hall, now Yakupov, Jordan, Eber- Jordan Eberle, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, now Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and the furthest you've gone is the conference finals, and that was only one year. And then there was also 2006, but we'll save the fans in Edmonton from that. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I will totally agree everything you said. I am slowly but surely coming around to this dry sale trade. So watch him tonight when the Flyers play Minnesota. Um, we'll see how that goes. It's a little bit of a slow night for hockey. I think last night was some pretty good games. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so let's see. What's next on the agenda for us? We got the hot, hot or not. Uh, yes, hot or not. Yeah. We each have one player mm-hmm. who we think are super hot. Um, it's been ever since the calendar turned 2024. A lot of people, a lot of players have been turning their pages as well and kicking into a different gear. I saw a lot of jokes that once the all-star picks were made, people are like, okay, now I'm going to actually play good because I won't have that big of a chance of automatically going to the all-star game if the um, fans don't vote for me. So I don't now know. that going back to your point about NHL events, Mason, if the NHL got rid of the All Star Game, I would uh, applaud that because unfortunately, I'm not a fan. I like the skills competition, but as you could see, whenever they play, it's no different than any other All Star Game in any other major league sport. No one wants to get hurt, so they're obviously not giving it 110. percent I think so. it's fun. I mean, it's yeah. fun. It's fun, like you know, but a lot of the players like hate being picked because it's like okay this is my one week to like relax and who's the was it the one guy from the Kraken who uh, Bjorkstrand Bjorkstrand Oliver Bjorkstrand 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 Tanner would be a big fan of him he was a former Blue Jacket but they didn't protect him in the expansion draft so now he's not yeah. um, a- anyway <laughs> they yeah, stab him he, yeah, in the room. I know, and he he was all uh, <laughs> he was shocked. He was shocked. He later came out and said that he was shocked that he got 
pick to go to an all-star game because he's never gone to an all-star game and in Columbus he never really was like the big you know household name I think he was more shocked than upset but of course everyone said oh he doesn't want to go to Toronto he doesn't no want to who wants to go to Toronto when you have a week to you know go on vacation he was like yeah I already booked an Airbnb it's yeah. San Diego my wife yeah. we're going to San Diego we're going to get some sun well, and the Kraken coach is like <laughs> cancel that Airbnb you're going to Toronto and he was like Oh, and you could see like they had a camera. <laughs> yeah. He was like, "Oh, yeah, why?" And he's like, "You're going to the All Star Game." And he was, was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> Did do you guys see the? Uh, it was Seth Jarvis, I think, in an interview uh, either after practice today or uh, last night. He. Uh, one of the reporters asked him, like, how do you feel about these fans, you know, starting this campaign to get you in the All-Star game? And he, he told him, like, don't vote for me. I'm going to Cancun. Yeah, like, like, he said, like, I'm going to Mexico during that week. Please do not vote for me. It's like Ovechkin told the NHL apparently flat out, I do not want to go to the All-Star game. So yeah. he's not going. Well, you know why? Um, it's because he can't. I think they took away the uh, last pick gets a car thing. So he can't, he can't get his car anymore. He's uh, he's just completely done with the all-star game. He got uh, his he got his whip and left. Let's see. What else? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to go. Panarin is being voted in, but he's like, hey, I'm not going. My wife and I are having our second kid. And yeah. People are still voting for him. So I don't know what That's about an interesting way to spend an all-star second game. kid, you know. <laughs> yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. Why go and play for, you know, play in Toronto when you can just have another kid? Like, I think I think he specifically <laughs> did that. Like, he planned that out, like, strategically with uh, with his wife and was like, you know what? I just, I cannot stand to be in Toronto More any, any longer than I have to. should do that. Be like, hey. I might have a chance of going to the All-Star game. Let's have a baby around the end of February. Yeah, I know that at least the Leafs uh, Leafs fit, uh, players will never uh, have to worry about that because they can at least always uh, plan for a free week in June there. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Nice After they get that's eliminated nice from the playoffs. Yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> thank you, thank you. But I'm, when we're on the topic of All-Star game, I do not like – how it's one player from every single team. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of like a participation trophy thing. Like, oh, you play for the Sharks. Guess what? You're going because you're the best player on the Sharks. Yeah. Like, who even who even is the Sharks? It's probably God? Fabian Sutherland. Um, like, I I genuinely can't think of any player I, on that I, roster I, except for Mikhail Granlund, and that's because the Pen- Penguins traded him. Like Gr- Granlund and uh, Jan Rutta. Yeah, and Rutta. Or yeah, yeah, Jan Ruda and no, Thomas Hurdle from the Sharks. Hurdle. Tomas Hurdle. He's good. Tomas, Tomas, Tomas Hurdle. He's been good. He's been there for a number of years now. Like, you yeah. have the players that you know are going to go to the All-Star game. So, like, uh, Pasternak is going. Sebastian Ajo is going. Mm-hmm. Reinhardt, Suzuki, Jack Hughes, which Jack Hughes isn't going anymore because he is injured right now. Again? Yeah. Yeah, I'll say that he's out like long, not hey, lo, not long like term, six, but he's out. Weeks. Yeah, a while. Um, Travis Konechny is going to the All Star game. Who you said, wait, are you saying that Travis Konechny doesn't deserve? Have you seen Travis? No, I Konechny? think he does. But I, just I think was it's gonna funny say Travis Konechny. He, I, mean, I, I feel like he would get along really well with Matthew Kachuk. He's kind of that same personality, except not as big. Yeah, I think he's, it's kind of crazy because like for like non. Fans like of the sport, you could probably pick out a couple of those names and be like, "Oh yeah, I've heard that. I've heard of Crosby. Like, I've Sid's heard of, going. Like, Tom Wilson is going. 
Well, probably because Ovi told him no, but even then, I wouldn't say Ovi's on All Star status. Ovi's anyways. five goals are going to get him the executive suite at the like, All Star Hotel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, Austin Matthews, Frank Vitrano for the Ducks. He's having a really good he year. Also, he, he started off really, and hot. he's he was also he came up with the Bruins actually, and I never forgot this. He scored. He either scored two goals or he had a hat trick in his first NHL game. And at all places to play your first NHL games, he played the Habs in Montreal as the away team. That's that's a very you know, welcome to the NHL, down the earth kind of welcome. Yeah, he's bounced around and he just never gets any respect. He was good on the Panthers, he's good on the Ducks, and now he's finally getting to go to the All Star game. Yeah, good I'm for him. Super excited to actually see Travis Konechny at an All Star game because he does give me like feral rat vibes. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Kind of excited for that. Um, I don't know. I don't, I just, I don't know. Like, I don't really like the one per team. Like, I feel like it should be whoever is going. But right now you see the voting being dominated by Oilers fans and Leafs fans. Like, no offense. I am It's not, like Mason said, they have not, a lot of extra time on their hands. Yeah, they I got not, a lot of, they got a lot I'm of I'm not planning. petitioning <laughs> to send Zach Hyman to the All-Star game. No. no matter how much you guys want him to go to the All-Star game, I will never, ever vote for Zach Hyman to go to an All-Star game. I think, I mean, <laughs> like, how, I, I kind of like how the NBA does it. I think, isn't it like, I know that they do have a fan vote, but a fa- the fan vote is like, what like like five spots or something, and it's like bench guys really. Like they uh, actually, I remember now they took away the fan vote. I think in like 2016 when uh, they made Zaza Pachulia an All Star starter for the first time in his career and the only time in his career. Um, but like at least now it's like they have a captain and they pick a team and it's like you know they play the game and then the contests and it's over and it's not like this big campaign where it's like okay one player from every team because like yeah at least basketball you can't have one player from every team uh like on the roster that just don't make sense but like you know i think the nhl could adopt something similar where it's like they pick like you know like 25 or how, how many would you need Twelve for the well, forwards, sh- and then usually have um twenty. Usually have twenty skaters per game. Twenty skaters in the, for a regular season game. So say that you did twenty per team, that would be forty skaters, and then two goalies, and then they probably could bend the rules a little bit because it's an all star game. Yeah, I mean, just like go and like set that limit. Have. Like, hell, I mean, hell, even have the players vote on it, you know? Like, put together, like, let the players or, like, the Players Association pick who goes to the All-Star because, like, I feel like that would be a lot easier to, like, gauge, like, who the actual All-Stars are, you know? Like, and instead of seeing the Zach Hymans get however many the hell votes he has now, we could see, you know, like, the undeserving – or not undeserving, the deserving guys who are going underappreciated, you know, like we were talking about earlier, like Marcus Patterson, who probably should be an All-Star just on his defensive play alone, but probably won't get that nod. Uh, I mean, like, you know – at like half of the Canucks team, which probably should have been their chosen all-star anyways, but are now like leading in the fan votes. Let's like see. it shouldn't have to be like the result of a campaign for fans to get leading their players in the goals. Right now in the games. In skaters as of January 9th. William Nylander from Toronto mm-hmm. has over seven hundred and forty thousand votes. That's fair. The next one is Kale McCarr from Colorado. He has um 
660,000 votes. That's warranted. Next is Dreisaitl from Edmonton. He has 567,000 votes. Wait, the NHL didn't pick him. Oh, they probably only picked, they picked they McDavid. David. They only picked one per team. Was that the rule or yes. something? Yeah. Okay, that's um, fair then. Elias Pettersson from Vancouver has 518,000. I'm just going to do top five. Mm. And then Mitch Marner from Toronto is next with 457,000. Then after that, you have JT Miller, Brock Besser, Panarin still being voted for, um, Zach Hyman, Morgan Riley, John Tavares, Luke Hughes, uh, Zabanajan. That's such a fun name to say. Zabanajan. Miko Zabanajan. Evan Bouchard. Bouchard. Oh, Bouchard. 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 Yeah. Another one. And then from goaltenders, you have Thatcher Demko, Vancouver. Yeah. He has 788,000. Mm. Bobrovsky from Florida, 440,000. Swayman. Sway Bay. 380,000. Gorgiev. Olmark, injured. Flurry. Uh, Aiden Hill. And then UC Saros. I don't know. I'm not. I don't like this voting right now. Like, no, it, it's it's it is awful. It is dominated by Canadian fans. I cannot with this. I, I'm there is no goalie like who is more deserving of the All Star nod right now than Joey Decord, and I'm so incredibly pissed that he's not even. I don't even think he's cracked a hundred thousand votes. Probably not. Like that, your Demko needs to be at that game too. I mean, oh, well, you, you can't tell me the Canucks are the Canucks without Thatcher Demko. I no, mean. I, I I was at that game there last night. I he solidified my Vesna vote. Where is Vitek Vanacek on this list? <laughs> he needs to be there. He I'm needs joking. to stop the puck. I'm joking. He needs he needs to learn how to control a rebound. <laughs> he was he was not bad last year. We'll give him that. He, uh, he a, was beautiful last year, but then this year it's like a flip switch, and he's like, okay, I don't know how to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. Also, I don't mean to ride the devil's hate train, but there there's no way that Luke Hughes is an all star. I'm sorry. I don't know why and why in the hell he's got a significant amount of votes. People wanted the Hughes brothers to be together, which I respect it, but. Quinn is just league of his own right now. I'm happy that Quinn is going for Vancouver. Yeah. If Jack hadn't been injured, he probably would have went. I know. Like, it's okay. It just that's we like we ball. I mean, like, come on. I just I I can't see. Like, I don't care how many people love the Hughes family. I am a, a certified Ellen Hughes stan. Uh, of course, you know Quinn and Jack and Luke are nice too. But like, I love Alan, the <laughs> I love the, I love the Hughes family. You gotta admit that like, yes, it's a great hockey family. That you do not need to include them. In I think every Luke needs thing. a few more years. Yeah, a few more years, and then I think he'll be good. I mean, he's given he's been given the opportunity there with Dougie Hamilton out. He's been quarterback in that power play, and I mean, I think he's doing fine. Well, right now the Devils are injured a high hell, so yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> doesn't re- doesn't really help his Calder case now that Bedard is injured. I think it, I, I'm still pushing my Brock Faber agendas. If any rookie defenseman is getting in, it's Brock Faber. But that is he's just, very deserving. Yeah, yeah, that's I just agree. that's just my uh, my hill to die on. <laughs> I was telling Mason. I said my favorite thing is watching Brock. Faber and he's on the ice and his eyes are like squinted because he wears glasses and you know he cannot see anything. Maybe he has contacts in. I, I, I couldn't imagine he'll that he just does. have somebody right in front of him and he'll look at them and like start squinting at them like <laughs> like his his headshot like genuinely makes me think that like he was just some guy 
who they needed for like a stand-in to do like you know like a deep fake or something where they put someone somebody else's face on top of his and then they just forgot to do that like I, I'm not I'm not mocking his appearance at all but the way that he looks he kind of looks like I, I don't want to say stone but like he doesn't he doesn't look like he's all there you know I mean like <laughs> or pull up his uh, his wild one I say she just showed me the Minnesota one. Yeah, like he just he he doesn't like. There's he no looks, thoughts behind those eyes. He looks like Bill Guerin was listening to our podcast, and Brock Faber was walking past the Excel Center, and Bill Guerin was outside and said, "Hey, can you play hockey?" And Brock Faber was like, "Yeah, maybe." And he's here's like, "Good. Headshot. Here's your headshot. Here's your jersey. Get on the ice." Yeah. And it, here's your here's your twelve year contract. <laughs> here you go. Here's your congratulations. Here's your Ilya Kovalchuk, uh, seventeen million hundred. <laughs> Seventeen-year, hundred million dollar contract. You are a Minnesota Wild. Which I mean, I don't even think I don't even think they're going to be able to lock him up. They're in such cap hell right now that I think I think he's he's probably gone. Honestly, if they don't figure something out fast, like I know he's a rookie, granted, so he's got a little bit of years on his deal. But Brock Faber, you are an Arizona Coyote. Yeah. Wait, so they can't even fund their own arena, but they can fund Brock Faber. I, hey man, no, you know what it is, is because I, I have a bone to pick with that is because every single owner in, across, not even just the NHL, like every single major sports league is like, despite being all, not a single one is not a billionaire, right? And every single one of them is like, oh, please, Mr. City of Toronto, give me your taxpayer money so I can build a new arena. Pretty please. Like, it's just like, that's the exact reason why Arizona is playing in ASU arena right now which don't get me wrong I love the mullet I it is a great atmosphere for as small of a barn as it is but like just stop begging for taxpayers money and like fund it yourself dude come on <laughs> it's just oh, I'll never I'll never understand that I if I ever become a billionaire I'm putting every single dime to putting gold plated toilet seats in every single stall. <laughs> like I want I want a nice arena and I want it to be my money, not like Joe Smith from like the West Side to pay for it. <laughs> Funny story. M- Mr. Smith, Gary's team, which is the Coyotes. <laughs> If, you, if you've listened to Sports Night before, you've heard all about Lambert and I's gripe with Mr. Bettman's Coyotes and his mismanagement of an NHL franchise. We'll, we'll, we'll just leave it at this, and we'll probably pivot to another topic. If you're going to own an NHL team, you might as well build the Ritz-Carlton of NHL arenas at that point, too. Yeah. Right? Or just play at the local ice rink, you know, like the beater rink at the end of the <laughs> cul-de-sac. That would yeah. be cool, too. Hey, man, if the, if the Penguins want to come play at the Morgantown Ice Arena, if, they're more than well, <laughs> if for some reason PPG, like, folds or something, hey, man, uh, we're more than happy. <laughs> well, I don't think that they would survive. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. They would walk in there and smell it. They would smell how that arena is, and they're like, mm, "I don't think we want." Hey, be now here. maybe maybe it is just an acquired like sense of smell. It's a little musty. I I've never had an issue with the smell personally. Because you're nose blind. That too, but I'm also there a lot more than the, the average person. So you're nose blind. I never <laughs> had a problem with the smell either. Yeah, that was the first thing I recognized when I walked in there. I said, "Wow, it smells like a closet in here." And you know what's crazy is you're not even the first person that's told me that. I convinced a friend of mine to come to a game last year, and he was like 
dude, I don't think I can come back. It smells like like ass in there. And I was like, dude, like, I don't know what to tell you. I never smelled that before, even like when I was first there. Like, I think, you know what it is, is because uh, we have like, because it is a, you know, community rank, there are several locker rooms. And if we have like a lot of overlap between the teams, like D1 will be in the D1 locker room and then like D2 or D3 will be like scattered out across. Uh, and there's the a locker rooms are not the problem because I've been in all. Oh, of no, I'm saying it, it's the like training transfer of the players because like the D3 will go and get ready in the locker room that's like behind where the fans sit and they leave that door open and just the general like hockey must just kind of comes through. I pray to God that I never ever have to encounter this hockey musk actually that you talk about. It's you get used to it. It's, I've done too many. I've done too many like photo shoots and like media days in the locker room to have be affected by it anymore. And at least the coaches' room, where uh, thankfully I can find safe haven in, they uh, they they insulated that wall pretty well, so I can't smell nothing. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, and this is so off topic. All guys smell the same, like they have guy smell. Like you guys don't know, but. <laughs> It's guy smell. <laughs> and it's like musty and it's like <laughs> like I don't know. Like how did we get here? Didn't we start off this segment talking about the players yeah, that I are hot or not? My hot player. Like I don't think we even discussed who was hot. Okay. I don't even think who any names were be, being Speaking said. of sweat, who wants to talk about their hot player? Uh, I'll go first. Okay. Um, I already mentioned his name several times earlier. I am not going to shut up about him until he gets his respect. Joey Decord for the Seattle Kraken is has a 9-0-2 with two shutouts since December 12th, and he is just like absolutely carrying that Kraken team. I know we mentioned it earlier. They're on a 12-game point streak, and they have won eight games straight. That is absolutely on the back of Joey Decord. And I think that the – I know S- Seattle fans are giving him the love that he properly deserves. He needs to get a lot more love from the major – major media because there's like that's insane since December 12th especially like now I don't want to say the most like grueling part of the schedule but like you know December hockey is like you know Christmas is around there's like a lot of games being played before the break and then you know winter classic and it's just like like dead middle of the season it's where a lot of the teams kind of start to fade out and he is just absolutely running the table right now it is insane the kind of form that he has been in Alex, would you like to give your hot player? I will. Anissa's not going to like this, but it's Igor Sharangovich. I can't believe I have had to wait this long to finally shout out my Calgary Flames, who they're, I wouldn't say they're flaming hot, but at least they're not flaming cold anymore. They're making a little bit of a comeback there in the Western Conference, which I'm sure we all can agree at this table that the West is the best once again this year when it comes to competitiveness, Yeah. except for the San Jose hockey. I mean, the San Jose Sharks, my bad. <laughs> but Igor Sharangovich had a hat-trick against the Yotes last night. Jonathan Huberto was able to get two assists. Here's his slow clap that he's gotten from me multiple times over the year because (laughs) I don't know how you have that much of a point decline in two seasons. That's for him to tell you, not me. The Sharon Govich trade, another questionable trade that people say, you know, one side got better than the other. 
If you look at it, Sharon Gov- or Devils give up Sharon Govich and a pick for Toffoli. Toffoli is in Tyler Toffoli, who's a longtime member of the Kings, and then he played a few years in Calgary. <laughs> at first glance, everyone was like, wow, it's high-rate robbery by the New Jersey Devils. They're getting Toffoli. They gave off Sharon Govich, who's shown flashes that he's pretty good, but only flashes, and then they gave a pick, which, once again, we talked about picks are kind of shot in the dark. Well, what those people wouldn't admit is that Sharon Govich is seven years younger than Toffoli. And guess what? As of last night, Sharon Govich actually has one more goal in the year than Toffoli. Toffoli Cannoli. Toffoli Cannoli. That's what the Devils media team call him. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> yeah. I just the had to Flames, throw that out there. I'm curious how the Flames keep doing this because when I watch the Flames play, they, they have – like, there's no, like, you know, structure. There's no, like, identity. Like, we talk mm-hmm. about identities with teams. You've talked about Joey Decord. The identity there is obviously a brick wall and that, and then some guys playing hockey in front of him. Yeah. Or the Oilers in which McDavid and Dreisaitl will just skate around you all day, and then they'll skate out some goalie that they found in the parking lot, like Stuart Skinner or one of the other ones. That was hilarious from the playoff round versus the Kings. Mm-hmm. There was this one play where Skinner had the puck and there was, like, no one in front of him, and he fanned on it, and Anze Kopitar scored the easiest goal of his life. And then last year's playoffs, so not like not like this past spring, but, like, the year before that, the Oilers were playing the Flames. Rasmus Anderson scored on Mike Smith from his own blue line. So he, went, he scored on a slap shot that went two-thirds of the way he spiced. So the Oilers, you know... Maybe instead of voting Hyman to the All-Star game, maybe get, like, a goaltender, and then you'd be competitive. Then you wouldn't have to fire Jay Woodcroft. I won't keep getting off topics. The Flames are my team that's on the rise. They're my hot—I'm going to say that they're hot. That might be a little bit of a stretch, but I've always been a Flames fan, so I'm going to say it. Igor Sharangovich— even if he didn't have a hat trick last night watching the broadcast, I could just tell he was playing with a lot more confidence. I was really impressed with his stick handling skills. And I wouldn't be surprised if in the next couple of episodes we talk a little bit about more about him and more about some of these other guys that are flying under the radar. Brock mm-hmm. Besser, to name one. Yeah. I will say, though, uh, don't disrespect the Oilers right now because Stuart Skinner is carrying my fantasy team on his back and has actually like returned to Just like wait. decent form. I know that it, I know that he will come crashing down, but they are on a nine-game winning streak right now, and it would be a disservice to not mention the Stuart Skinner uh, agendas that I have to push as legally binding by my fantasy team. I want to <laughs> say that they're eighteen and six ever since Chuck Knobloch took over. No, I think that is right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, here's my hot player. And I think that he started heating up after the all-star ballots were picked because he did not want to go and run it back like he did last year. Um, Matthew Kachuk. Matthew yeah. Kachuk is my hot pick right now. He is absolutely on fire. He, you know... Had a hat trick the other night. 
Kachuk had the hat trick. Sorry, got a little off on a, another topic. Had to pause for a bit to come back. Kachuk had a hat trick in St. Louis the other day, which I think is beautiful. That's his hometown. His father was present, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Keith Kachuk lore, <laughs> but he does not hide the fact that he, like, prefers Brady over Matthew, and it's kind of sad. But I really enjoyed watching Matthew get his hat trick and his dad didn't crack a smile once nothing his mom's there she's cheering she's laughing she's smiling his father's just sitting there like yep um that's my boy but in january right now matthew kachuk has seven goals six assists 13 points he's had a point in at least every game from dating back to december 29th when they played against the rangers he's just been on an absolute hot streak and I think this is the Kachuk that everybody was hoping would continue from the playoffs last year you know Kachuk was the overtime hero Mm -hmm. constantly last year really showed out he's one of those players that puts his heart in absolutely everything he does and it really wasn't showing in the beginning of the season which I think you can kind of blame that on the fact that he's coming back from that broken sternum Mm -hmm. like he was banged up from the Stanley Cup Finals last year, and he powered through that. Personally, I would have been on the floor, like, crying every single day. Like, Brady Kachuk did an interview where he said that, you know, he had to help Matthew get his clothes on, you know, tie his skates, and I'm like, why are you standing up right now? Yeah. Um, You know, October, Matthew had seven points across the entire month. You know, one goal, November, he had two goals. December, two goals again. And then January right now, you know, five games in, he's on a seven-game goal streak. Um, No, he's on a goal streak for every game right now in January. That's meant to say. Yeah. So he's my hot player. I do want to see him continue. I think he's been a really valuable asset that the Florida Panthers picked up. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people did not think that he was going to be that great. And I honestly think this was a steal by the Panthers getting him a few years ago. Yeah. I mean, looking looking back, what even was that trade? It was uh, Mackenzie Weaker was a part of that, right? Yeah. Oh. uh, What didn't uh, Jonathan Huberto? Yeah. I should wear my Huberto jersey here one day. Maybe I'll actually score. (laughs) Who knows? Maybe maybe bring some good luck. So this trade, ready for this, Mason? Yeah. I'm sure you'll have a lot to say about it because. I haven't met someone that hasn't. Mm-hmm. So f- we gave we gave the Panthers Matthew Kachuk, mm-hmm. and I want to say we gave them some type of pick. So just <sighs> for salary cap, look it up. And in return, we got Mackenzie Weger, who's a good defenseman. I'm not going to deny it; he's pretty good. Jonathan Huberto, and some tight and another pick. Actually, I think we might have gotten another prospect. Uh, yeah, I'll say. I can see it. Uh, yeah, it is uh, Kachuk to the Panthers with Huberto, uh, Mackenzie Weger, prospect Cole Schwind, and a lottery-protected first-round selection in the 2025 draft. So we have yet to see where that pick will plan out, and I don't think Cole Schwind has to touch the NHL yet, has he? No, I think he's playing yeah. in the same league that um, – I don't, even, I don't even know what league Cole Schwint, you said? Schwint. I don't even know if he plays junior. I've never even heard of him. Yeah, I uh, let's let's look up Cole Schwint. 
maybe he's playing for that um that uh what what league were we talking about? Oh yeah, the, uh, he played. He's uh, now he's in the AHL. He is uh, playing for the Calgary the Wranglers. Wranglers. Yeah, that's the Flames farm team. Okay. Yeah, I have n- I have not heard a single thing about any of his stats or nothing though. Let me uh, let's look at his player profile here on the AHL. Uh, this season he has 18 points in 34 games, uh, 14 plus minus or positive 14 plus minus only 10 penalty minutes uh two power play goals uh not bad yeah i mean i don't know that he 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 is quite definitely the um like the afterthought of that trade i don't think i've ever heard anybody analyzing his his game as a part of the you know kachuk uh <laughs> trade but um yeah, it's definitely something. So, and you see, I'm, I feel like Mason would be really good at the mascot challenge we used to do. Oh no! Oh no! I no. don't know. What, I I I've, I listened to those episodes before I came on and was like trying to follow along, and I don't know. It was you would have won. won. It was, it was I don't just know a chance for Alex to embarrass me because I don't <laughs> know my mascots. How's that any yeah. different than the coach's hot seat for college football? I mean, they do I don't it. do college football on Wednesday nights. I don't like talking about college football. <laughs> to be honest, I really don't care about college football. Um, There's a reason we're doing a hockey podcast yeah, right now. <laughs> exactly, Sylvie. Okay, I'm going to move on to injury list. Oh, boy. Um, oh, boy. We barely even hit on this. Even though Mason's wearing a Bedard jersey right now, Connor Bedard out six to eight weeks yeah. with a jaw. And I told Mason, I said, this is giving me shades of um, – Sid and Connor McDavid and every other rookie that gets absolutely blasted, you know, whatever. Yeah. I was going to say McDavid. Most people forget. I didn't forget because well, Mason first brought up McDavid. Yeah. Brandon I'm, Manning. Yeah, he breaks his McDavid breaks his clavicle when they play the Flyers. It was around this time. Actually, might have been late December. He misses the first All Star game. Yeah. Okay, people. Like I don't know if he's going to be McDavid. Well, then McDavid becomes McDavid after that. Right. So I mean, so, if it take if it takes a broken jaw for Connor Bedard to become the best best player in the NHL, hey man, I don't want to say that there's a trend, but I'm just saying the next couple of prospects that come up and make their debuts, you better you better keep you better keep your head down looking at that puck and just pray to get lit up because I'm seeing a clear trend here. <laughs> You better you better prepare to drink out of a straw for a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, you better uh, better get them crutches ready. Better get go ready to... to learn mashed potatoes, buddy. <laughs> 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 All right, quick injury report from every team. Just their kind of notable ones. Trevor Zegers also out mm-hmm. six to eight weeks with a broken ankle. Uh, I think that's kind of the heartbreak. Speaking of losing, losing Jamie Drysdale. Yeah. Um, John Gibson. Day-to-day right now, upper body, I don't know. He's always, I don't know. Whatever. Uh, Leo Carlson, he's out with his knee right now. Ouch. Yeah. Um, Boston, Linus Olmark went out day-to-day. He had to be he had yeah. to be assisted off that the was, ice. I'll say I was watching the tail end of that game. That was ugly. I have no idea what happened. He dropped down into the butterfly. I didn't and see anything specific, so maybe it was just something weird that he tweaked. I, the way that I was looking at it, 
granted, I have not played goalie, so I couldn't tell you the exact like parts of the body that moves when you do what. My initial reaction was that it was like a groin or a hip thing because Him, he yeah, immediately yeah, yeah. went down in the butterfly and just like laid down and just stayed there. So, um, let's see. and then Swayman on his first shot gave up the game winning overtime loss oh, goal. So that was fun. Oh, Swayman. <laughs> uh, Buffalo, Tage Thompson's out right now. He's day to day. They haven't said why. Chicago. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Seth Jones, Anthony Beauvillier. 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 Yeah. Connor Bedard, Nick Felino, Taylor Hall, all out. You know, I think Taylor Hall's out. IR. LTIR, I think. Yeah. Um, Colorado, good news. I saw that Landeskog was skating. Mm-hmm. Play, hopefully playoffs. But one thing that should be said is that no player has ever come back from the injury Landeskog's attempting to come back. What did he have? Yeah, so, yeah, what was that? I want to... I don't even remember it. It was so specific. We can look it up. I do know it was some type of shoulder issue. Okay. Uh, um, yeah. And it see. wasn't just a shoulder issue. He had a couple. He, he he was literally a mess. I remember reading an article when he had surgery two years ago. There was like a grocery list type of surgery because like they operated on like multiple parts of him just because there were a lot of things that were really. I do think he will come back. Whether he is the Gabriel Landeskog of the past. I I don't know, but I I'm impressed that he has a chance to make it back. I want to say it was like it was uh, no, it was a cartilage transplant in his right knee. Wow! Wow! So I remember he he had some other type of shoulder issues that might have been before that. Yeah, I'll say he. Uh, I think he would be what no, it's back in September, so he's about seven to eight months into recovering from his third knee surgery in what would be the last two years. Yeah, so that's he's, uh Yeah, he has... Uh, he's one tough guy. That's, I, I would not put him past... I would not put it past him that... If he comes back, it would be, you know, damn near miraculous, but I would not put it past him to hang him up because, like, three surgeries this, in two years is You see this trend happening right now, like, um, you know... He went out, and I'm not talking about just that specific surgery because that's probably like one in a kind right now. Yeah. Um, you know, you have Nicholas Backstrom who tried coming back, and they were like, mm. he was like, no. Um, TJ Oshie mm-hmm. just skated. Like, he came back last night. Personally, I didn't think that it was going to look good for him because there were reports, you know, that he got sent back to Minnesota to go rehab, which it's never good when you get sent out of state to do that but yeah. I think that's where his family lives um, let's see what else you have nothing of importance there um, concussions Minnesota you have Gustavson lower body right now I think that's a I don't know if he's I feel like he's. I feel like he's been out for a while because they just called up their uh, wall yeah wall uh, Wallstead yes yeah, Wallstead yeah, yeah. um New Jersey, Andre Plot, Timo Meyer, Jack Hughes, Jonas Siegenthal, Thomas Nosek, Dougie Hamilton. Awful. Like, yeah. I don't know what's going on in Jersey right now. Uh, if you have a Jersey and you live uh, around the corner from Newark, get ready to go skate, buddy. Um, <laughs> 9 a.m. Tuesday, be there. <laughs> yeah. Pittsburgh, apparently John Ludwig skated yesterday. Oh, that's real good. I so, had heard that. Uh, John Ludwig got absolutely ragdolled by Matt Martin when they played the Islanders. Like, I already knew 
that he was losing that fight, but he was brave and he went up against Matt Martin and God bless him. <laughs> Riley Smith is out right now. They haven't He's, specified what it is, but I think Mike Sullivan he, said it was upper body. I'll say he got I, I watched that hit live. He got absolutely folded by Ian Cole like three minutes into the game. I think he, he had like three minutes and eight seconds of ice time last night and like got that hit and immediately went off the ice and uh, has not was not seen again. So uh, that's fantastic. And yeah, he's out long term or assumed to be long term for an undisclosed injury. He is. Uh, would not surprise me what he did not go on LTIR and the Penguins got to pick up someone else. Get ready to learn LTIR, buddy. Yeah. Um, what else? Same old from the Maple Leafs. Joseph Wool is still out. I think they really need Joseph Wool to come back like ASAP right now. Yeah. I mean, surprisingly, Martin Jones hasn't been horrible for like – you know the the he's not exa- I mean he's not exactly like you know prime San Jose caliber player anymore but he's like he's been serviceable yeah but Joseph Wall you know brick wall yeah you know need him back um, Vegas they have a grocery list right now CVS receipt Aiden Hill William Carlson Shea Theodore yeah. I tell you what I got a bone to pick with whoever runs the injury reports for. The Golden Knights because uh, Aiden Hill was he's been skating all week and been practicing and was set to return last night and then he was the he was the first goalie off the ice at practice in like the morning skate and then just like ten minutes before puck drop was announced that he is not playing and is back on IR. And it's like it's probably a game time decision. No, like it, it was like confirmed like in the morning that he was getting the start, and then like all of a sudden like buddy's it, it, buddy's at the arena getting his like lacing his skates, putting on his pads, and then they're just like, all right, you're done. Go back to back to IR. Get ready to learn. Well, uh, it's bad because you know TJ Oshie's been out for a little bit. The Capitals didn't even say, "Oh, TJ Oshie's coming back." You know who announced that TJ Oshie was coming back to the lineup? His wife. I saw that. His wife. Somebody asked her on Instagram. You know, how's TJ doing? You know, we miss him. Blah blah blah. And mm-hmm. she's like, "He's good. He'll be back on the ice on Thursday in the lineup." Caps didn't say that. Thank you, Lauren Oshie. Thank you. Shout out shout out all the wags for carrying the injury reports in the NHL. <laughs> shout out Lauren Oshie specifically. She is top wag. Love her. <laughs> wag wag of the week. This would be a new segment. <laughs> Honestly, what do you be opposed? Wag of the week this week is Lauren Oshie because I actually like watching TJ Oshie skate. Yeah. TJ Oshie skate. That was interesting. <laughs> Say that five times. I like watching him. I think he's a decent player. You know, it's kind of like that, just, you know, the core. Yeah. You know, him, Ovechkin, uh, because... Tom Wilson is out right now. I was about to say Zach Wilson. Because, <laughs> He's also out right now, too, but for different reasons. Tom Wilson's out right now. TG Oshie didn't have his little partner to do his warm-ups with, so the Caps took a video of it last night, and it was a little sad. Yeah. Um, I don't feel sad for him. I, I'm still very anti-Capitals anything. but I don't like Tom Wilson. I think Tom Wilson is a— um, Oh, no, I know. It's just like they are like—I am— I have a lot of hate in my heart, and it all goes to, like, every other team in the Metro, pretty much. Well, someone asked me, like, how are you a Devils and a Penguins fan? And I said, okay, well, you see, 
I'm not that crazy that I can't support other teams. I said, even though I know they're both in the Metro, like when the Penguins play the Devils and the Devils came here in November, I was rooting for the Penguins. But when the Penguins go to Newark and they play the Devils, I'll be rooting for the Devils. So just whoever has home ice advantage pretty much. Yes. Yeah. I think that's fair. Of course. Uh, We did injury roundup. We didn't get to talk that much about the PWHL, which kicked off January 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, you have the inaugural six, kind of like, you know, the original six. You have teams in Minnesota, Montreal, New York, Toronto, Ottawa, Boston. Some of these teams aren't even playing in their specific cities. So, like, New York, they're playing in Bridgeport, Connecticut. That's nowhere near Manhattan. No, 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 no. Yeah. No. But one thing that I think has to also be considered is that of the four major sports leagues, how many of them, and these are Mason, has a direct affiliation with its women's counterpart? I don't really follow the NBA. I I said the NBA does have a direct. They have a tie-in. It's directly, yeah. Directly. Okay, so just the NBA. Just the NBA, so just one of the big four. Or if we consider MLS and soccer to be one, just one of the big five. Although they might have a tie. I think the I think the NWSL. I don't know if the NWSL is directly related to the MLS. I know that they are probably they are like on par with the MLS though yeah. in terms of product. Here, but I I couldn't tell you if uh, if they're affiliated like directly yeah. or not, like the NBA and WNBA is. But, uh, yeah, I got to give uh, my flowers to myself for picking uh, Minnesota as the team before the season started because I, I could not have made more of a lucky guess. Uh, granted, it was solely because they had the first overall pick and uh, Taylor Heisey. Taylor Heisey is her with, woman a, ever. The, with a, her with a capital H because she is carrying that. Uh, or actually, she's not even carrying. That is just like that is Minnesota is an absolutely incredible team going out right now and it is just kind of insane uh i will say that uh minnesota <laughs> i will say that uh who, oh, her who's our captain their name her name is blank and me it's uh grace grace zoomwinkle yes had a hat trick there uh on it wasn't the home opener it was the second game right against uh montreal yeah man that was tough that was so incredibly hard. She's from Minnesota, too. She's from Excelsior, which I got to say is the coolest name of a town I think I've heard from Minnesota ever. Um, but, like, I mean, yeah, that's just, like, I mean, talk about a lineup. They're they're cooking in Minnesota for sure. It's crazy because, like, I saw a lot of the talk online is that the wild, uh, the state of Minnesota sold their soul to make PWHL Minnesota good and in turn have just, like, completely screwed the Minnesota wild out of relevance. And, I mean, it's true, but for my Brock Faber Calder agendas, I need it not to be true. I mean, right now, so looking at the standings, you have Minnesota. They are um, they're three and zero right now. Mm-hmm. They've oh my gosh, they've won three games. Montreal has won two. They have an overtime win and a loss, which I also really like how they do. Oh yeah, the um, the points mm-hmm. because you get I want to say three points if you win a game. You get yeah. two points for an overtime win one point for an overtime loss, and then obviously zero points for a regulation loss. Um, 
New York right now, they are one and two. Toronto is one and two. Nice to know that the Toronto hockey teams still, you know, trend regardless of gender with letting down their fans. <laughs> Ottawa, they are they have one overtime loss. And then Boston has one regulation loss. So yeah. according to all this, Minnesota has nine points, Montreal five, New York three, Toronto three, Ottawa one, Boston zero. Which mm. I don't know. I'm kind of I was I don't know who to root for with this because my allegiance kind of all over the place. Like I like watching just women play hockey. I don't really have any agendas to spread. Yeah, I I'm just going for my uh Minnesota. You're I'm just going Biden, Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going on my uh, Biden, Minnesota clip uh, agenda and just rooting for all Minnesota sports teams, like regardless. Um, so I, I also definitely just I, I'm definitely a bandwagon fan. But in my defense, is it's not really bandwagoning if there are only six teams in the league. And the league is like brand new and just starting, and I'm not close to any of them. I think like I think New York is probably the closest one to West Virginia, and it's like an eight-hour drive from Charleston. So mm, yeah, like it's uh, I feel no allegiance to any of these teams. So I I don't want to hear. I don't think there's comments on like Spotify podcasts or nothing, but if any of you guys are listening and come and find me at the station and call me a bandwagon for uh, trailing PWHL Minnesota, um, you're gonna um, you're gonna be seeing a lot of tears from me because I can't handle I can't handle aggressiveness. Noted. <laughs> <laughs> well, right now, you know they've only played a few games. You know they have more games coming. Tomorrow night, you have Ottawa at Toronto and then Boston at Montreal tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Right now, leading in points is Minnesota captain Grace Zumwickle. She has four points. Next is Taylor Heisey. She has four points as well. Montreal captain Marie Philip Poulin. 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 Poulin has four points. Then you have Alex Carpenter and Ella Shelton, both from New York with three each. Um, I was looking last night. And Marie Philip Poulin hadn't had a goal since April of last year, I want to say. And she went and had a hat trick on Wednesday. Yeah. So she heard the haters loud and clear, and she said, watch this. Um, right now as well, leading the league in save percentages is Minnesota goalie Maddie Rooney. Also Minnesota goalie Nicole Hensley with a... Nine five five save percentage. Hmm. The one game that you know I watched, like the first game I watched, I've been keeping up, was New York and Toronto, and then Korean um, Schroeder. She was lights out, shut out Toronto. It was just amazing watching her. She is tied second right now in the league with save percentages. So we're gonna keep up with the PWHL. It is surely something new. I know about the PHF from before, so mm-hmm. you know I know that's been centers of controversy, but we will move along with that. Uh, before we move on from the PWHL, I do have to say that uh, Corinne Schroeder's uh, headshot on the website is so comically small. It's so funny looking yeah, because no, nobody else's is like that. I just I looked up the league website to like you know see these stats while you're talking about them, and there's just like. It's not even like a quarter. It's not even filling up like a quarter of the uh, 
of the like the circle, the bubble that they have. It's very funny. But she had her shutout against Toronto, and then immediately after in the next game, she gave up four goals to Montreal. Yeah, which uh, yeah, I mean, it's okay. We move. We it's ball. yeah, we ball. It, hey man, if Minnesota wants to run away and they got two two leading goalies and save percentage, granted that Maddie Rooney has not let in a save yet. So I mean, obviously that's not really sustainable, but. Um, I mean, if we, if uh, Minnesota is gonna, you know, lap up the rest of the league, I can and will be taking my victory laps. So just get ready for the most annoying, uh, annoying podcaster in the uh, in the hockey industry in West Virginia, in Morgantown to be specific. Okay, we got anything else before we wrap up the episode? I forget any topics on our list. Oh, I forgot. Let me push my Sidney Crosby Hart Trophy agenda. Yeah. Um. Oh, you cannot make faces, Alex. Yeah, no. The, sit you're, the kid. You're out. Sit the kid. Wait, you're out number two to one here for Crosby stands. You're uh, you're not getting a dog in this fight. I was gonna go with Jeff Carter. That's all I'm gonna say <laughs> in this really low pitched voice. No. Because that's how much confidence I have in Jeff, Jeff Carter. Jeff is a little bit of a dog, though. He's a dog. He is. And he has embraced his fourth-line right-winger role perfectly. He is not asked to be the 3C anymore, and I uh, think that the Penguins fan base needs to just, like, chill on him. For a little I like the better as a healthy scratch. <laughs> I will say, I, I want to talk about this. I, I was in attendance for the Jeff Carter yeah. almost hat trick. Almost. Against the Yotes. Yeah. Okay. Were any empty netters? All right. I'll stop. I'll stop being mean to Jeff Carter. Yeah. It's just Jeff Carter used to play for the Flyers and we and we the Kings. He also played for the Kings. I know, yeah. but we also don't like to talk about that either because okay. it's a sensitive yeah. subject. Please don't diss BJC. Yeah. Okay. Big Jeff Carter. Big Jeff Carter. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Uh, I will say parting. Uh, parting gift here for you. I actually met the biggest Jeff Carter fans of all time last night, and it was absolutely insane. I was texting you about it. Uh, the people who were sitting next to me, uh, it was like a I, I don't know what. It, it was like a like a little like juniors team. It was a bunch of like eight year olds, and I got sat next to I got sat next to a mom and one of the kids. And like, I didn't get there in time for warm ups, but it was like when like the first you know rounds of shifts were starting, and the kid kept shouting, "Go, Jeffy, go, Jeffy, yeah!" Every time that he would touch the puck, and during the next whistle, I was I looked over at him. I was like, I told the mom, "I don't think I've ever seen a bigger Jeff Carter fan before," and she was like, "Yeah, uh, apparently the mom's brother played with Jeff Carter like all." throughout like their youth together in Jeff Carter's hometown and the kids like youth number is 77 because of Jeff Carter and I was just so taken aback because like if you told me that in like I don't know like 2011 2012 like you know like the Jeff Carter like when he was like you know I don't want to say good, but like when he when he was at his prime, prime, yeah, when he was at his prime, I would have been like, oh yeah, that's that's dope, you know, good for you, dude. But like 
right now, it's 2024. 38-year-old Jeff Carter, like fourth-line right winger for the Penguins. And this kid, every single time that he touched the puck, was like, go, Jeff, go, score, Jeff, score, score. I was like, <laughs> I was, to be at, buddy. I, have ne- I have never been like more happy for a kid than like I would have been if that if Jeff Carter had scored last night. I was actively rooting for it. And even better, I didn't tell you about this. Are he him and every single one of his teammates start because it was while we were down two to three there for the like stretch that like 30 minute stretch before the um, last like 30 seconds in the third they were like like it was oh fudge I can't remember that I can't remember the um, chant it was like one two we want three one two we want three it was like something like that asking for the third goal and it was just, they got their third goal it was it was the funniest thing and you know what's the worst part about it is i think they were like able to go on the ice after the game because like the mom was like all right like everybody get up and let's go with like 10 minutes left in the third and they all left their seats so it was very funny there was a giant like gap in section 224 like right next to me and i was just like oh all right it was like 20 seats just emptied out and uh I don't think I, – I, I hope that they got to see it on, like, a TV or they got to go by the lower bowl or something. But uh, they didn't get to see the um, game-tying goal from the greatest section because I was there. So Those poor little Jeff Carter stands. <laughs> Actually, saying that sentence really makes you think. Yeah. It really puts a lot into perspective. I've never said Jeff Carter stan in my life, but – yeah. I, I I thought for a brief second because he, the kid was wearing a jacket and there was a second where he took it off and he took off the right shoulder first and I saw seven and I was going to say, if this kid has a youth-sized Jeff Carter Penguins jersey, I'm going to lose my mind. But it was it was fortunately a Crosby jersey. Okay. But I was like, I was okay, like, Okay, there we go. Everything is right in the earth now. Yeah, I did. I will say um, I love um, the account. It's a Penguins account. I don't know if you follow it. Uh, Exiled Netters. And they go around every home, every Penguins home game, and take pictures of all the jerseys. Oh of yes, Penguins. I do. I yes, yeah. Uh, I wanted to send it in to the guy. There was an Evan Rodriguez <laughs> Penguins jersey there last night, and it, it was it was a husband and wife, and the wife was wearing the Rodriguez, and the husband was wearing an Adelkovich Penguins jersey. And I was just like, all right, man, I'm not gonna question your guys' jersey tastes. Yeah, whatever floats your boat, I guess. Yeah, that's. Wacky. Um, Alex, any final thoughts about any games last night? Any games in the following days? We, we do up? have a couple of big games tomorrow. I just had it up, of course. My tab auto close. Hmm. Yeah, it's what Friday is it, uh, over here. There was one. Panthers, Devils. Yeah, I'm trying. There was one. I Pens, Canes. Yeah. Yeah, there is one game I think is interesting. I don't know how much bearing it'll have on the stats, but I do think it'll be an interesting matchup. And that one is the Flyers and the Jets. We did not talk about the Jets, which I'm really upset. So I'm going to talk about the Jets now for for a little bit. ah, The Winnipeg Jets. Excuse me. The second... I guess the second coming of the Winnipeg Jets because the original Winnipeg Jets moved to Phoenix to become the Coyotes. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought that the Winnipeg Jets, as of this moment, own the best record in the NHL? 
they're tie- the tiebreaker is because of games played. The Winnipeg Jets. This is the same Winnipeg Jets team in which people were giving Blake Wheeler a hard time because he had the C taken away from him last year. Rick Bonus has been in and out. He's had some health issues and some personal stuff, so he hasn't even coached every single game this year. And this is the same Winnipeg Jets team the last two or three years that has underachieved the whole Pierre, Luke Dubois, Saga, and the blowback from the Patrick Liney trade. We're looking at, if you look at the Jets roster stats, Mark Shifley has 41 points in 41 games, averaging a point a game. More than respectable. Nikolai Ehlers, from that same draft that we were talking about, Dreisaitl and Nylander, Nylander and Larkin and Milano. Same draft, Ehlers, Nikolai Ehlers. No one's talk, talking about him. He has 33 points. And then after that, Josh Morrissey, the defenseman, has 32. And then Cole Perfetti. Cole Perfetti's fun to watch. He's another young prospect from a few years ago. He has 29 points. But you go down the list and you see Kyle Connor isn't leading this team like you're used to. I was like, he's on IR, isn't he? He is. Yeah. And then there's a couple of former kings in Gabe Velarde, Alex Iafalo. There was Sean Dursey, but he went to the Coyotes. Hmm. Um, I was never a fan of that big Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. But the big point I'm trying to make here is that the Jets the Jets don't have a superstar like a lot of the teams we've talked about. Penguins have Crosby. Capitals, they had Ovechkin, you know, in their heyday. Um, Flyers have, like, Konechny. Jets, there isn't really one person here that is, like, completely wowing me, but they're getting it done. Sorry, the fact that we're living in a universe where you say that Travis Konechny is the Flyers' biggest star. Yeah, I was going to say, that's crazy. That's crazy. We live in a society. I, yeah. Oh, this is what I get for disrespecting Jeff Carter. (laughs) I like Travis Konechny. I just, I don't know that I would call, I don't know that I would call him star status personally. I think like star is like somebody who you would like, like not, I I think of it for more of like a, like a marketing standpoint than like a on ice standpoint. Cause like on ice, sure. I'll give you that. But like from a marketing, I don't know a single, if I went up to somebody outside of the city of Philly and was like, Hey, do you know who Travis Konechny is? I don't think they would know. Like, yeah, but also most of the names that people know, with the exception of Bedard, are guys that have played on the team for a long time. Oh, that's true. No, I'm. I mean, like, and then looking at the um, I don't even know like, Jets schedule. They play the Flyers tomorrow at home in Winnipeg. Then they play the Islanders, who are another decent team that are kind of flying under the radar because once again they don't have one big star. So, you know, they just get written off, written off as just another team. Then they play Ottawa, Boston, and then they have a home-and-home with everyone's favorite team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and Maple Leafs fans extra time on Sundays in May. If the Jets go on another win streak here, I mean, they're, they're already on a— I'll say nine-game. Nine-game? I thought it was ten-game. No. And then, if, actually, you could argue that it, their last 12, they're 11 for their last 12 with one loss coming in overtime. Yeah. And actually, on top of that, look, there's more wins and another loss coming in overtime. Other than they, they did lost two, they lost 2-1 to the Sharks. Okay, so they got a little blemish on the record there. But <laughs> yeah. they still have a big win streak, so. Yeah. 
this this Jets team might be a team we're gonna be talking about going down the road. They're they kind of giving me like second half Vancouver Canuck vibes. So. I yeah. guess we'll we'll see about the Jets here. Yeah, it's just a very much uh, waiting game. We'll wait and see if they uh, come back down to earth, kind of like the Kings have. I know we didn't get yeah. into cold players or cold teams, but uh, I don't know what in the world is going on in L.A., but uh, they are fading fast. Get ready to learn Matthew Kachuk, L.A. That's what I say. That and Sam Reinhart. Get ready to learn Florida, buddy. Yeah. Uh, I guess we're going to... We're going to see what happens with the Kings. I just think it's a little bit of the mid-year blues. They did have a couple of games in hand, thankfully, but you're right. That Pacific division is That's a, it's literally a stalemate, I feel like, every single year in which it's the same teams that are within a point of each other. And it's looking like that again because you got the Kraken. We've talked about they're on the rise up. Flames maybe on a little bit of the rise up. Oilers are on their way back. Canucks have been running the show the entire time. Golden Knights have faded maybe a little bit, but they're still there. And then the Kings. So yeah. a lot of names, not a lot of spots. Yeah, I would say that there is uh, eight points separating the uh, Kraken and the Knights right now. Um, uh Canucks clear, clear, clear and away winning right now, fifty nine points. Knights at fifty three, Kings at forty eight, Oilers and Kraken tied at forty five. Oilers getting the nudge, and uh, Flames at forty three, and then the Ducks and Sharks are equally as irrelevant. Um, there we go. Uh, that yeah, I am so curious to watch the fight. It's going to be a dog fight for the third spot in the Pacific there, but because the Kings are so quickly fading, they are two four and four in their last 10 and have lost seven in a row. Uh, the Oilers... Mostly been by one goal. Yeah. The nice. o- Oilers have won nine in a row, nine and one in their last 10. Kraken, 8-0-2 oh, in their last 10, 1-8 straight. So the Pacific is... Uh, it's heating up. It's uh, it's definitely gonna be something to watch out for. So, but uh, that's that's all. All right. Any final closing remarks before we close out the first episode of Checked Out? Not checked in, like I said <laughs> at the beginning of the episode. First episode of Checked Out of the 2024 calendar year. Uh, Speak now. Forever hold your peace. Uh, still. Brock Faber for Calder and uh, Cindy Crosby for Hart. Yep, yep. Those are the agendas we're pushing all 2024. Uh, I wish the new year brings you all happiness and good health. Go Kings, go! They're coming back. Uh-uh. You heard it here I'm first. Not, I'm not ending the podcast on a Go Kings, go chant. We're ending this on a Let's Go Pens. Let's go Pens. Let's. Go.